you should. The Llama Lounge. Welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things. Say it with me, Joe. Life, Life learning, learning, leadership. leadership. <laughs> that was nice. We got this is your host, that, I think. I know that was good, though. That was good. <laughs> this is your host, Scott, and I'm hanging out with my brother, Joseph Bogdan. How you doing, Joe? Yeah, I felt like you almost forgot my name right there. I, I did. I did. Yeah. I was going to call you Broseph. Okay. But um, okay. I think I, I think I used that before, so mm-hmm. I don't want to overdo it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, 90-something episodes, I'm pretty sure you're going to do it again. But Yeah. How are you? How are you, Joe? I'm doing awesome, man. Um, back from my deployment, and I'll tell you, you don't really realize how much you take things for granted until, you know, you spend some time downrange or in a different circumstance where you don't have all the amenities that you're used to, like being able to go pee in the same building that you're in. <laughs> right? That's kind of nice. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And being able to sit on the floor without getting up completely like just dirty. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Just, just stuff like that. I mean, it was just, it's pretty amazing. Like I was washing my dishes the other day and I'm, and I was like, this is actually nice. I have dishes and I can wash them, yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's, it's been great. Um, it's, I've been home for about a week and I'm still getting, getting used to the, the time zone and everything, but um, yeah, loving life. How you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Had a great week at work and um, yeah, it's good to be back with you in a, we're not in the same time zone, but we're a lot better than we were a week ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's good to have you back on this side of the world. So I uh, appreciate everything you've done over the past six months, taking care of business and, um, and, uh, and the, th- and the, th- the things that you've done in the past six months are really going to be, uh, important to our conversation today, especially with our guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause uh, I'm going to introduce this man, the legend, mm-hmm. dangerous Jerry Dugan. Oh yeah. <laughs> our guest in the lounge today is someone who inspired us to jump into the podcasting pool. Jerry is a veteran of the United States Army. He currently serves as the Director of Organizational Effectiveness for a major hospital system in Texas. He's also a professional instructional designer, education consultant, public speaker, avid rucker, and he is the host of the incredibly popular, the uplifting, the inspirational, motivational, Beyond the Rut podcast. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the Llama Lounge. Jerry, how's it going, sir? Awesome. Glad to be here. And you know, that sounds really cool when it's read by somebody else <laughs> <laughs> and it would probably been it would probably read a lot better if i hadn't speaking haven't, yeah i can't even talk right now <laughs> haven't been speaking all day and then uh turn around and try to record uh, uh, an episode on a friday evening so you did great <laughs> thank you thank you jerry so we've known jerry for a while uh oh, yeah. yeah we actually got our real first taste of podcasting by being a guest on Jerry's podcast, Beyond the Rut. Um, I don't know, what was that, like a year and a half ago, something like that? Yeah, I think it was, was that 2018? Yeah, 2018, Yeah, pre-COVID. So So Jerry's been doing this for a while, because I know in in 2020, everybody became a podcaster. Mm -hmm. But Jerry's old school, he's an OG, he's been doing this, how long, Jerry? Uh, Since 2014 was my first episode on a previous show called Family Time Q&A. Wow. Yeah, before it was cool. Yeah, <laughs> when only nerds did it. <laughs> yeah, before, before the Spotify uh, sponsorships and the uh, and all the bucks started rolling in. Yeah, <laughs> that show uh, 
Family Time Q&A, I mean, it retired around the time we started um, Beyond the Rut. Mm -hmm. uh, but the whole idea behind there was I wanted to showcase authentic uh, fatherhood. So what would mm -hmm. it, I think around that time, I was listening to family Christian, um, uh, Christian family shows like Focus on the Family and mm -hmm. a couple other uh, podcasts. <laughs> and I noticed that when the husband and wife were together on stage, they sounded polished. And I thought, okay, well, you know, they've been doing this for like 20 years as a career. They would have their, their game to a higher radio quality level. But then I would notice that some podcasters would have like their four-year-old or seven-year-old on the show or even like an 11 or 12-year-old. And you could just, it almost gave off this feeling like, you know, like if you're a hostage and the <laughs> terrorists are telling you like what to say and you're trying to say, yes, I am being taken very, you know, I'm being very well taken care of. But you can see in their eyes, they're totally scared. And like, uh, you know, the, the gun is in the frame of the shot, you know, like it's bouncing in the corner. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it, it sounded, these kids sounded like that. Like the, the parents are like kind of coaching them on how to answer. And the questions themselves are kind of setting up the answer and they're all yes and no questions. And mm. I thought, what if, a Christian parent was bold enough or dumb enough to have open-ended questions. Right. And it wasn't me asking my child the question, but the kids asking me the question and whatever Ooh. I said goes, no editing allowed. And the, and like my wife would be my witness and whatever was recorded, that's what gets posted. And uh, my own family held me accountable to that. And, and so, yeah, we ran that for about two years, 86 episodes, and I got called out so many times. <laughs> oh, man, I bet. I bet. Very first episode, I'm like, maybe this is not such a good idea as my daughter's <laughs> laughing at me like, I got you. And uh, I'm like, oh, gosh, this is getting uh, it's a little hot in here. You know. <laughs> What kind of things were you getting called out on, though? Like, that seems um, like it's an awesome thing, because like what you described before that sounded almost cultish. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> right? uh, well, the very first episode, I didn't think I had I knew I had flaws, but mm -hmm. uh, I didn't think that some of the things that I was doing were having the negative impact that they were. So around mm -hmm. that time, my son was like 11 or 12, about 11, mm -hmm. uh, playing Xbox. And I would play with him thinking, this is awesome. You know, father-son bonding time. Uh, he played shooter games like Call of Duty and Halo. Um, and what I didn't realize is that I rage quit probably more than anybody else <laughs> on the planet because, uh, yes, I've got combat experience, but no, I can't translate to, to video games for right. anything. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just getting like, you can't do that in real life. And I'd slam down the controller and get all mad. And uh, it'd be like, like, because in real life, snipers don't do 360 no scopes and hit you square in between the eyes. No, <laughs> they just, yeah, they, they, they just can't. <laughs> you know, through three buildings while they're flying in the air, and I'm like, ah, this isn't real. And I would just get mad. So anyway, um, my daughter just asked me, yeah, you like get mad when you play video games with with Jacob, and I was like. Oh shoot! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all yeah. the dirty laundry's out now. Yeah. I'm like, where's the pause button on this thing? And she just starts giggling because she knows where it's going. I I had to admit it. I'm like, yeah, I I get mad when we play. And she said, well, stop it. And I was like, okay, well, why did you bring that up? And then she just started. And she was nine, mm -hmm. and she's yeah. like sharing with me that every time I rage quit. Um, you know, while my wife and my daughter in the other room kind of just rolling their eyes, uh, it was actually scaring my son, mm. and because he thought you know, is he going to do this to me? And the answer is no, I wasn't, but he didn't know that he's 11. And right. when she pointed that out to me at the age of nine on the very first episode of family time Q and a back in 2014, I was blown away. And I thought, mm. Oh wow. Now I got to fulfill the promise and actually air this episode. And, um, and people will come forward once in a blue moon. I, I forget the show is still out there. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And once in a while, some of those send us an email, like, thank you for being vulnerable about that. And, yeah. you know, the, the interactions between you and your daughter are just amazing and you and your son and uh, you and your wife, because we would rotate. So like one week it was my daughter, the next my son, the next my wife, and then repeat over and over and over again. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Kids, yeah. uh, kids are very uh, observant uh, yeah, they as, are. As, as, as a father, you know, who, who <laughs> has four of my own, um, they pick up on things. They will, and stuff that you don't realize you're doing, they will, they'll call you out on yeah, it. And yeah. Especially, especially if you're trying to punish them for something similar. And that's when it's, yeah. oh, I can't do that, but you can do this. And all of a sudden you're like, you noticed that? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even notice I was doing that. So, yeah. So you mentioned combat experience. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, your background. We like to have, uh, when we have guests on the show, just give us a little bit about their background. Uh, obviously, you were born at some point, and then yeah. uh, you traveled around, and now you're in Texas, but uh, kind of fill the gaps in there. All right. So the the short version is that my dad was in the Army as well. He joined in 1972, uh, met my mom while he was stationed in Thailand in 1974. It was kind of a matchmaker scenario where um, his platoon sergeant uh, got invited, you know, like, you know, leaders, when you're overseas, they'll invite the, the lower enlisted together to have holiday meals, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And anyway, his platoon sergeant was married to a woman who uh, was that, like, getting your business type of person. And uh, today I know her as Aunt JJ. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she got in my dad's business, wanted to know why he was single, why he wasn't married. And by the way, I've got this younger sister. I've got two uh-huh. sisters, but I got this younger one. Uh, she's kind of dating this dirtbag I don't like. Uh, you, you two should meet. I think uh, I think she, she'll like you. And then just from there, um, yeah, worked up a uh, marriage contract between the two of them. And uh, my dad, you know, paid a dowry and, uh, you know, just which like when you hear it that way, you're like, yeah, do they actually love each other. And, yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah like it's a Walmart a, transaction or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was just, uh, and you know, I grew up as a military bl- uh, brat. So I lived in Germany. I lived in Japan, uh, visited Thailand, Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so by the time I was 11 years old, I'd lived in, I think two different countries, uh, two different States and mm-hmm. visited multiple countries, which was, I, I thought normal, you know, that just, right. that, yeah. that's the way life was for me. And then, uh, you know, as we settled down, my parents divorced when I was 11. And so that was kind of a, a very rough uh, part of the childhood. So, you know, from being born till I was 11, uh, just kind of grew up in a typical, you know, two parent home. One of them just happens to be a tiger mom. Um, <laughs> and, you know, yeah, you get in trouble for like having a 98% on. No, you know, yeah, Joe's yeah. laughing because oh, he can yeah. relate to that. You know, yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> where's the other 2%? Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, that's almost like a standard saying. And, it, right. um, you know, as a parent, I think I caught myself a couple of times blurting that out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a simple addition, you know, quiz. How did you not get 100 on that? And lives mm-hmm. like. Jerry, just because you're half Asian doesn't mean you have to carry that on. <laughs> it just came out. I don't know. It's, it must be genetic. Who knows? Uh, so, um, yeah. And then my parents divorced. Uh, it was not I mean, divorces. Yeah, I don't. I've never heard of a, a clean break in any of them. So that was a very uh, emotional roller coaster ride. Uh, my dad actually. Uh, got a fit of depression and suicidal during that time. So, mm. you know, my brother and I mm. at nine and 11 having to uh, keep my dad alive and, and eventually wow. getting help for him. Uh, that was a very challenging time in our lives. We get back stateside and, uh, you know, my parents of course are split up by then. And, uh, you know, my uncles, a lot of them start getting divorced because, uh, they married women who like to cheat. So, uh, and you know, 
it's not to a good the idea. women's yeah exactly and you know <laughs> to the women's credit though like they kind of married my uncle so yeah. you know it's like yeah, i'd probably leave too uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah and and so it was just it was not a happy time in the dugan extended clan um among my cousins my uncles and so on there was just uh, a lot of uh like pent up anger and a lot of frustration being taken out on uh, whoever's the smallest and you know four foot ten four foot eleven that would be me so uh yeah kind of grew up from 11 till about 14 15 years old just being called gook boat person half breed mm -hmm. you know you know being told go back to where you came from i'm like lot in oklahoma i mean like <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about go back where, where you're from. really from <laughs> <laughs> yeah like uh i'm not going back in there uh, that's yeah. you know <laughs> biologically i think that's impossible yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it, it, yeah just getting bullied by your own extended family was kind of a rough uh time and uh at some point i just kind of looked up just kind of like gosh is this all there is like i'm looking around at my family my cousins you know my dad's own relationship falling apart where he thought he was madly in love with this woman that she was madly in love with him turns out she never really wanted to marry him and uh mm. you know the first chance she got first doubt that she had she jumped from that ship and mm -hmm. yeah. uh, pursued another relationship with a guy who didn't care about family life at all he he was actually the guy she ran off with uh was married with two kids as well and apparently he had affairs wherever he got stationed on wow. tdy wow. Wow. and uh so this guy when he finally got caught um because my my mom thought that she was the only one dating this guy and anyway another woman comes forward who was also dating this guy and yeah. so finds out oh this guy's also married with kids what mm -hmm. oh this is ending now and so you got three asian women who call this guy out throw all three of them throw him out at the same time and uh and that's just the the, the relationships i know about that ended for him uh and so here's this guy who just ruined families including his own and, and so that was in my head at 14 looking at wow. my dad the impact on his his whole world collapsing because of this guy um looking at my uncles uh there were like three of them getting divorced so looking at their lives and how it fell apart looking at the impact on their kids my cousins and how they're all aspiring to really just get emancipated at 16 so they could collect SSI benefits for the rest of their lives and, wow. and welfare. And like, that was their plan. Like get emancipated, collect welfare, life will be good after that. And I just thought that can't be all there is in life. You know? <laughs> like, um, there, there's gotta be more. And I'm looking at my friends at school, like, they've got parents who are still together and uh, they're happy. They go on family vacation together and they love it. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to go on vacation with my family. That, that, that's weird. You guys are weird. And they're like, no, this is normal. You're weird. I'm like, no, huh. what am I? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's, it just started to dawn on me. I've got friends whose parents are together and they love each other. And I started to hang out at my friends' houses and realized that that's real. They, they have parents who just dote on each other and they engage their kids and the kids' friends and get to know the lives of everybody. And, you know, I engage with my own family and it's like the complete opposite. I'm thinking, Maybe one of these isn't the template to follow. And what if, you know, if I live in a country where we're free, we can write our own destiny. Why can't I just do that? Why can't I um, change the trajectory of this family? And, yeah. you know, I start to learn things about like, because uh, one of the uncles who got divorced used to brag about the Dugan name all the time. You know, mm -hmm. then, uh, if you trace it back to Ireland, uh, we come from a family of uh, like nobles who used to run a, a, a village or a town or a, a tribe until, uh, who are the Saxons? Those guys came up and just kicked our butts. <laughs> so until they showed up, we were like, 
kings and chieftains and a very noble name. And then they, we just kind of got our butts handed to us in the sword fight way back. And, uh, but as you learn about the history of the Dugan name, like there's a family crest and you're like, wow. And then they got back into nobility and they became uh, knights who were very loyal to whoever they served. And then there's one phrase, their motto, the family crest motto that just stood out to me. And uh, that probably got picked up around the 1600s and it's uh, by virtue and valor. Mm. And when I learned that, and I looked at my family, that was just like anything but virtue and valor. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? And this is at like 14 years old. Yeah. I'm like, why don't we hit the reset button on yeah. this? And you guys are doing this all wrong. That's yeah. not what it says. <laughs> That's not what the crest says. You're bragging about the crest, but it says by virtue and valor. Let's do that. And so I just kind of made a declaration at like 14 years old, like, Let's wow. make this name something you can be proud of. Yeah. Not one when you hear it at a school, it's like, oh, geez, okay, well, get ready, get the F stamp out, you know? Yeah. Uh, or like when you walk into a store, it's like, oh, it's those guys. All right, security, follow that family. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's deep. When I, when I was 14, all I cared about was skateboarding and punk rock records. So yeah. to have yeah. that, that, that <laughs> sort of paradigm shift of, you yeah, know, but when you were 14, Jerry's dad was 14. So like, <laughs> <laughs> this is the best show ever. <laughs> we, we actually, his dad and I actually served together. So uh. oh, I figured <laughs> that would be funny. Oh, man. <laughs> oh gosh uh so yeah high school actually got better um yeah partly because i didn't have to visit my extended family anymore um got in with a good group of friends played football uh played baseball i got recruited to be in the band because uh, in middle school i as a joke i learned how to play tuba hmm. <laughs> <And> yeah <laughs> when, no when no jerry uh, yeah i was gonna say jerry I've, I've been with you in person and i'm just trying to picture you carrying a tuba that would have made oh. you at least six feet tall with the <laughs> with the horn yeah with the yeah. horn yeah. yeah without the horn i was uh, in high school five foot four ah. so, <laughs> and uh, it was just like a giant windsock like you you would see the <laughs> horn but not the player that kind of thing uh, but uh yeah it was a lot of fun though i i got to play in uh an honors orchestra my band director got me uh um, a a private instructor so she really like poured into me to be kind of the the base of the the baseline in a sense and uh, the really cool thing about jim paoletti my private instructor was if you ever saw the movie close encounters of the third kind mm -hmm. his private instructor when he was in college is the guy who did the the do notes do do do. yeah yeah I'm for, the, for the spaceship so that mm. spaceship in close encounters of the third kind is played by a tuba uh, the performer was the instructor for my instructor and, nice. uh, that thing was done in one take. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Like the mm -hmm. guy sat down, he looked through the music, played a couple of riffs here and there, gave a thumbs up. They hit record done in one take. He got paid like 150 bucks for the day <laughs> and walked out. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? That sounds like a cool gig. You show up and for an hour, you get paid 150 bucks and then you just show up for the next movie and play a part. And uh, so I attempted to go to college as a musician. Uh, then I got cold feet and decided you can't save lives or change the world as a tuba player. So do something noble. And so I became a, a pre-med major. Yeah. And, uh, Looking back on it, it was just four years of self-sabotage. So um, I, I got out of there with a 2.3-ish GPA, 
So there's there's no med school at that GPA, it turns out. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> and, it's not the doctor anybody wants to go uh, to. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, my faculty advisor, I think he knew, like, this guy mm-hmm. does not want to be a doctor. Somebody told him to be a doctor. He He's doing that. Mm-hmm. But he really doesn't want to be because his GPA is a 2.3, which I would normally say get out. Yeah. But he's tutoring people in his own class to get an A in the class. Mm-hmm. So he can do it. He just doesn't want to. And so he, uh, I think he picked up on the part where I had this ability to take something complex, break it down for somebody and explain it to them. And then they would go succeed with it. And so he just pitched the idea. Why not change your majors into education? You're really good at it. And I was stupid and 20 something. I was like, you know, those who can't do teach. (laughs) And he looked at me and just signed my, uh, my request for my schedule and said, Oh, you have a nice day. Almost like a big F you get out of here. (laughs) You know, I, I, uh, I've used that that phrase quite a few times in my life because I'm like, what am I good at? Like, mm-hmm. try to figure out what my talents are, and my skills at skills are, and people are always like, we you just got kind of the same thing, and I, and but that always haunted me that those who can do and those who can't teach, mm-hmm. and I'm like, so does that mean I can't do anything? You know, I always had to question myself. Yeah, and teaching's a whole different skill set. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like when you actually learn learning pedagogy and learning theory, you're like, mm-hmm. no, it. There's there's skill behind that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because there's yeah. a lot of people who can do but can't teach, right? I mean, there's exactly. <laughs> excellent people out there that would be terrible coaches, right? Like Jordan might be a terrible coach, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. So uh, it took a couple, uh, I guess, a decade and a half later for me to realize, you know, maybe I can teach. And it was my wife who pointed it out. And uh, so just fast forward. You know, so I left college. I yeah. joined the army as a medic because I, it's still in my head. I'm going to go be a doctor, but I need a noble yeah, yeah. nobility. Yeah. 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 So I got to, I got to, you know, counter this GPA with some experience. The army's got experience in fixing up shot people. So mm-hmm. uh, if I want to be a trauma surgeon, this is the way to go. And I was a medic in an ambulance platoon. So I saw almost no patients for two years, but I saw a lot of a Humvee ambulance from the underside. Like, Hey, that thing's leaking. Uh, it shouldn't be leaking. Okay. We'll put that down on a piece of paper. All right. That thing's leaking. Yeah. That's not supposed to be leaking either. All right. Note that down. All right. That thing's busted. Yeah. That part's on order. Okay. Got it. So that was like two years. Uh, I mean, there was a Kosovo tour in there and all that, but, uh, not a lot of clinic time. Um, and then I went to third brigade, third infantry division, where I was a medic in a field artillery unit, mm-hmm. got married, nine 11 happened, not in the same order, but, um, it was, it was kind of a, a world. It wasn't a cause and effect thing either. It was, no, it was not you didn't no. cause nine yeah. 11. Your, your, your no. wife didn't cause it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now my son was circumcised on the same day as nine 11, but huh. that might've had something to do with it. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think I saw a star Trek discovery episode that kind of supports the theory but yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> see i was in podcasting was just for nerds so. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah so i was with uh, first battalion 10th field artillery as a medic uh, i got promoted to sergeant i had five uh, medics reporting to me and you guys are in the military and um I, I don't know if the air force leadership mentality is the same way but uh in the army you're a horrible leader if uh, your people can't take over once you die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. that dark and morbid. It's, it's the way it should be. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You know, a good leader will raise people up to take his or her place mm-hmm. when right. that person's no longer in that leadership position. And um, it, it always blows my mind outside of the military where people get 
nervous about their employees being better than them. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, I want my employees better than me. That's mm-hmm. kind of and it I makes it, it makes work so much easier. It does. You can be so lazy when you have an awesome team. <laughs> you know, like, and then oh, you, just, oh, you want this task? Here you go. <laughs> this is your how I do it. This is kind of what's expected when I report it up. This is these are the criteria. Uh, I'll check in every week to see how things are going. But these are the deadlines to have this yeah, done. Just by. give me some updates, guys, yeah. and we're good to go. And uh, the only time I'll notice it is when it's not done yeah and, uh, and i'm yours. getting chewed out yeah yeah and it's yours you can have it and they run with it and then all you got to do is brag about it hey look what so-and-so did this is a yeah. great job and you know I, I could not have gotten it done to this high quality if it wasn't for so-and-so and i mean there's got to be some authenticity behind that <clears throat> sure yeah um, but yeah i think a lot of people just hold on to that too because they have self-esteem issues they feel like if they yeah. uh if somebody else can do something as good as them then it's like it takes something away from them Right. Yeah. 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 But the weird thing is there's like a weird paradox there where if you do that, then now you lose out on opportunities yourself because yeah. like you're, you're the only one that can push that button, dude. I can't let you, <laughs> you didn't teach anyone <laughs> yeah. else to push the button. You go. <laughs> <laughs> so now you can't go nowhere. I can't promote you because yeah. you're the only one that knows how to push the button. Right. That button needs to be pushed. <laughs> the Dilbert cartoon out there. Um, like, why is it you never got rep- um, promoted? Uh, I don't know. I'm irreplaceable. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, there you go. Uh, so, yeah. Make yourself replaceable and you, you mm. find yourself moving up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you, you got out of the army. Yes. Um, you know, did, did, did a couple of tours overseas, got out of the army. And then how did you find yourself in Corpus Christi? I married into the town. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Happy wife, happy life. That exactly. Thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, so Liv is from Corpus Christi and we yeah. were married at that time for about two years and we had two kids by then. So we had, uh, one, when I went off to war, uh, we had one on the way. And of course, when I came back, we had this three month old. I was like, oh, she's so little. She looks <laughs> like she has porcupine hair. But uh, yeah, she turned to be my mini me. It's so weird. Like, you know, God didn't let the son be the mini me of me. It, no, the no. daughter. So he's like, <laughs> yeah, here's, here's a little testimony to your pride. Boom. <laughs> You're going to be more like your girl. Um, <laughs> she's awesome, though. I, I love her. Uh, anyway, um, we kind of looked at the map, you know, where our family is across the United States. Uh, we were young. We were going to not make a whole lot of money. So babysitting was a factor. And Corpus yeah. Christi not only was where Liv is from and felt most comfortable going, it was where we had the most concentrated collection of free babysitting. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's why we moved here. And plus my mother-in-law wanted us back and she kind of found a lead for a job for me and was as a community, uh, not community educator, uh, education coordinator with a health system in Corpus yeah. Christi. And the three requirements were a bachelor's degree, experience in training other people and loves to talk. Well, there you go. And I was Got like, it. hey, that's that's me. I could do all three of those things really well. Uh, <laughs> and because, uh, you know, the Army, you, you do a lot of training. And right. Uh, and so it, it gave me uh, in, in the Army, a lot of, almost everything is task condition standards. Turns out that's the structure for behavioral learning theory. Uh, Boom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I lit up when I learned that during my master's program. Like, what? I know that one really well. <laughs> I don't know the other two theories, but I know that one. And I've lived this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then you, your, your career sort of blossomed uh, afterwards, right? You worked in a couple different agencies, and and tell us a little bit about some of those experiences where you worked at and what you what you did. Yeah. Um, 
the funny thing was I was still in denial though as as an education coordinator uh, even though my career was an up on an upward trajectory uh, people were talking about hey this guy's going to get picked up by corporate someday uh, I felt like I wasn't making a big impact in the business world you know as as an educator and so I started looking at things like getting an MBA and you know leading a department and you know I got to do something that creates sales and revenue if I want to show value and uh, so while I was thinking about that, uh, my boss gets replaced by somebody who just totally sucks. Uh, that person <laughs> fires me. I go into a real oh, wow. estate career that, uh, you know, started off really well in 2006, but uh, the bubble busted in 2007. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I got stubborn. I stayed in until 2011. Mm. Um, but in that, I eventually picked up a job as community educator with a battered women's shelter mm-hmm. uh, because uh, my wife did share with me that. Uh, as much as she enjoyed that I was enjoying the work as a realtor, uh, she enjoyed having food with the meals. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and the mortgage, you know, works when it's not being foreclosed on. Mm. Uh, yeah. And so I was like, okay. And so I, I kind of swallowed my pride and I, I went for a, a gig that I was apparently, uh, according to my wife, good at. And that was training people. And I was, I was kind of begrudgingly getting into that turns out she was right and not only was i good at doing training and developing training and monitoring training and improving on it uh, i actually did like it you know it was you know when i looked back in my life i i gravitated to that you know when i was in college i did that better than actually doing my own exams when i was in the army as a medic um i i trained probably more than i did uh, anything else and as a real estate agent, I did more training than selling. Uh, and then, you know, here I am, you know, doing really well in an organization, doing community education and, you know, thinking, how do I make this better? How do I improve it for the staff? And uh, so Liv was just like, you got a GI Bill. Why don't you use your GI Bill to get a master's degree in education? So pick that thing up. Uh, yeah, instructional design, educational technology from AM Corpus Christi. Got it done in a year and a half. Nice. Um, GI Bill is nice. That, th- that thing <laughs> kept us out of foreclosure. It yeah, really it is. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, the post 9-11 GI Bill at that because you get, uh, you know. Housing. Yes. I was like, <laughs> man, as a sergeant, that wasn't so bad. So uh, that, that augmented our income and I got a degree out of it. And then I think that's once I got that degree, I started to really make some big leaps for the education program at the women's shelter. Uh, and then that's when I got picked up by Christus Health. Yeah. And I came in there as a, an education consultant and I was kind of back home. Like it, it was funny, like being let go from Christus the first time, you know, that the leader that I told you sucked kind of told me like, you suck, you know, without, but she said it the long way. Like it, it took a 10 minute dialogue, not even dialogue. It was, it was a 10 minute monologue about all the ways I sucked. And when it was all said and done, she made me feel like I owed the organization money for four you know, or two and a half years worth of salary. And, um, but here's the cool thing. Like when I got hired back, almost everything I put into place when I left was still there. Yeah. Um, mm. Gosh, uh, Let's see, I left in 2006. I got hired back in 2014, end of 2014. So eight wow. years had gone by. Wow. And everything I'd implemented for the orientation program was still in place. Nice. Um, the books I had purchased for research were still there. Uh, a lot of the processes I put in place around the training programs that were the, around then were still in place. And 
uh, a lot of the staff remembered me. So like when I showed up for the interview, they're like, oh, you're going to come back. And uh, for the director who hired me, that was like a huge lift because she was like, do I hire this guy? Do I not? And we ran into like five people on the way out the door who all recognized me and just like hugged me and, uh, you know, kind of lifted me up right there in front of her. And, and uh, so I worked at Christus for like five and a half years, got promoted to manager, uh, revamped the orientation. I got put in charge of the orientation program again, you know, it's like, you know, like full circle. It was just like, I got to find this lady and, who sucked and, and just tell her like, Hey, it's weird. You know, I, I got hired back and put back in charge of the things that you said I was no good at. Yeah. And, uh, so that was really cool. And then I got picked up where I am now as a director. I wasn't looking for a new job. Uh, my predecessor got picked up to be a vice president of learning and development. Mm. And her boss, who's now my boss said, well, you need, you, you need to name somebody I can interview and speed up this process. And she said, Jerry Dugan. Yeah. He's not looking, but I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to, I'm going to pave the way for him to come over. Those those are the most comfortable job interviews. Mm -hmm. I, sure. If you say so. <laughs> you're, for, I, 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 and I'll give you, it's, so, so Jerry and I have really similar paths when it comes to this training and development world. And we've talked about this several times over the past couple of years, like, Hey, you know, this position's coming available. Hey, you know, and, um, well, cause where I'm at now, I'm doing probably pretty similar to what you're doing. I'm yeah. doing it for the city. Um, and it was a position that I didn't want because I was comfortable in my old job doing consulting. And, um, uh, it was one of those things where the, the job was there. People kept saying, Hey, you should really look into it. And so I decided, yeah, all right, what, what's, what's the harm, you yeah. know, what's the harm in interviewing. And, uh, for me, it was like the most comfortable interview I've ever had yeah. because didn't have to feel like I was finding answers. I, I love training and development. I love organizational effectiveness and, it just lined up. And, and that's why I love talking to Jerry. Cause I've even used Jerry as, you know, Jerry, what are you doing where you're at? Cause I'm, I now I got this thing in my, this program I got to fix and I'm, I'm having some imposter syndrome going on right now. Cause <laughs> I'm not sure if I should be here. And so Jerry's giving me great advice. And we, we talked about um, acculturation and we talked about uh, uh, onboarding employees and stuff like that. And, and I, what I loved about what Jerry talks about when he talks about onboarding and, and developing an organizational culture is, and I'm not sure if it's intentional, but I see a lot of themes that, that I see in the military and probably what you've used in the military yeah. in the past. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Culture and connection are, are very huge in any organization and the military does it really well. I mean, mm -hmm. the basic training isn't just about getting you into shape and saluting people at the right time. Uh, it's instilling the culture of the organization that's going to make you successful for the entire, not just you successful, but make that branch of the military successful for the entire course of your career. Uh, because there are things you learn in basic training that just, that's it. That's the law. Like, uh, in right. the army, we have, uh, standing orders for guard duty. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember the first one more than the other two, but it's, I will guard everything within the limits of my post and quit my post only when properly relieved. And you learn that for nine weeks, I guess now basic training 16 weeks, but that is like, if you learn anything, it's that yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, if I've got a job, it is my job. I guard everything within the limits of that job. Uh, and I don't quit until my commander says, all right, the job's done. Yeah. And somebody actually takes over properly or we wrap it up. And in the civilian world, you don't see that, you know, people are done. Mm -hmm. They're tired and sick and frustrated. They just kind of passive aggressively stop doing stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's one of the things that I think has made me successful outside the military is still having that mentality. And, and 
That is, I don't quit my role until properly relieved. Uh, now, in the organization I'm in now, uh, you know, we don't say general orders for guard duty. But <laughs> <laughs> we should totally do that, though. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> we could and should. Yeah. Uh, but they Welcome to this hospital system. Get <laughs> nice to the front. What are you looking at? <laughs> you just step on my boot. <laughs> Did you just eyeball me, nurse? Oh <laughs> uh, man, sometimes nurses can get militant, though. I, oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, trust me. Uh, but the organization I'm in, they the biggest part of orientation is like, oh, we cover, we got check boxes, and mm -hmm. uh, we know you're going to forget about yeah. 85 to 90 percent yeah. of all that information. So it's really about at the end of the day, do you know where to look this stuff up? Yeah. But that 10% you remember, we want that to be the mission. We want yeah. that to be the core values and what those core values mean in your daily work. Uh, even if you don't know what your daily work is yet. Yeah. Uh, and so we have like care commitments, which are behaviors that yeah. even if you don't remember the core values, these four core behaviors mm -hmm. drive the core values. And this is who we are as an organization. And uh, people come out of that orientation, even though it's done virtually right now, people mm -hmm. go to their first day at work. And then they see it being done on the floor and they're like, oh, that's what it means to take care of patients. Yeah. Oh, that guy, that person's really doing it. Oh, this is what they mean by take care of each other. Mm -hmm. My leader's really taking care of me. Um, oh, I take care of myself. So like at the end of my work shift, I go and I actually rest, take care of my family, take care of my needs so that on the next day I can come in and take care of the mission and then take care of the organization, pick up trash, mm -hmm. report broken stuff, um, you know, report a policy that doesn't work so that we can fix the yeah. policy. You know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and you see that throughout the organization from the top down, from the That's bottom. That's awesome. Up. Yeah. That's awesome. Because I think it's so important that you can tell people all day and sit there and have a, like a four hour don't sexually harass people briefing, right. In your orientation. And then that's actually happening in your organization. You know, there's not congruency there. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you actually can see that people are taking care of each other or picking up trash, you know, you, you can, you only need like 10 minutes of that being briefed and then you actually see it. In yes. action. I think yeah. that's, that's so important, but you know, I wanted to go back real quick onto something because Scott, you said that that interview process would went really easy. And I, I'm assuming that a lot of that had to do with the fact that it's aligned with your meaning, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like you, you love what you do. So it's kind of easy, right? Absolutely. And, and then Jerry, your story, uh, you know, I think it's Victor Frankel that talked about um, that. We don't invent our meaning. We, we detect yeah. it. And <laughs> it seemed like for a while through your story, it was a common theme that you were running away from it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, At some point, did you just kind of like, okay, give in because your it was, <laughs> it was around the time uh, I was talking about getting my master's degree. So mm -hmm. using my GI bill, let's, let me go back to school. Let's yeah. get, that, that housing allowance and really beef up our salary and it'll give me a master's degree at the end. And why not? And she looked at me and she said, well, that sounds good. Uh, where do you, and this is in church. So my pastor's yeah. talking on the stage and I'm talking to my wife <laughs> on the side, but, uh, cause it was his fault. Cause he'd said, you know, whatever, uh, you need to get to the next level, God's already provided it to you. Yeah. And so I was thinking about what do I already have? That's a resource. Oh, GI bill. I haven't tapped into that thing ever. Uh, and it's been almost 10 years. And so I turned to my wife and I, that's when we're having that discussion. And she asked me, what are you going to study? in?" And I said, I'll probably uh, get an MBA. Mm -hmm. And she had this look on her face, which <laughs> I now refer to as the Holy spirit moment. <laughs> when I guess God realizes Jerry's not going to listen to me. So I'm going to talk mm -hmm. to his wife because he will listen yeah. to her. Yeah. And if anything, she can say, I told you so. Mm -hmm. And and so she had that look on her face and she just nodded and she very quietly said to me, 
I think you need to get something in education. Yeah. Like very clearly, very confidently just spit it out. And I was about to like roll my eyes and think, you know, what does she know? But like, as soon as I was about to do that, cause I, I was still stupid then. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just kind of like my whole life flashed back to the, the moment with my professor, yeah. uh, faculty advisor telling me maybe you should get into teaching. And I had pride there. And then, you know, all the times I was doing training in the military, uh, like, you know, I wasn't a sergeant yet, but my unit would have me do sergeant's time training. Mm-hmm. Um, the first job out of the army, what I did when I was a realtor, what I'm doing that day, I'm a community educator for a battered women's shelter mm-hmm. and, and I'm good at it. And here I am getting yeah. ready to go back to school. And she's like, get something in that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was going for a master's in organizational development. Hey. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but a Corpus Christi retired the program at the last minute. So I had to shift gears. I was still going to school for education, but it wound up being educational technology, yeah. which had a heavy hand in instructional design. Mm. And that I think was better aligned. So even though like oddly enough, a lot of my work in the last 10 years has been organizational development type of work. Mm-hmm. leadership coaching, leadership development. Uh, it's heavily relied on my skills and my knowledge and experience in training and development. Yeah. So. I think that's important though, because like, I feel like people who get into the instructional design and cu- curriculum design, sometimes they, you know, they get the idea. I mean, they're learning from a handbook, right? And they're, they're yeah. basically cooks, you know, they're, they're like, okay, step one, two, and then they develop whatever it is. But when you have like that skill that you have, that the Lord did provide you with that you yeah. kept on avoiding for a while. <laughs> about like, you know, when you have that skill, then now you can kind of chef it up and create that curriculum that's actually meaningful that, you know, that people can actually get something from. Yeah. I think that's kind of missing in a lot of um, courses out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, it, I, and I, I've seen it where people get it confused too, because they think I love teaching mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, can you build a class? And the first thing they do is go, yeah, I want my PowerPoint to look like this. Uh-huh. And, I, and I'm like, Oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah what are the objectives of the training? Yeah. I don't know. Well, what kind of outcomes are you expecting to make you smart? I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm yeah, to make you smart. I'm like, and, and they're like, I'm just trying to find the perfect PowerPoint, you know, background. And I'm like, I don't care about the PowerPoint right now. No. How are you going to relay the message? Right. What methodologies are going to use? And, and I think people get confused with that because it's not always just being that inspirational, motivational speaker for four hours. You have to actually figure out ways to, get the point across and, and, and actually and, teach and actually teach yeah. something yeah. and not just yeah. stand up and talk yeah. and, and entertain. Right. Yeah. 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 That's the thing is like, I've met so many people that can, um, okay. They're very knowledgeable about their topic, but they can't really convey the message. Right. They can't really teach it to you so that you can consume it or they're really entertaining, but they haven't taught you anything. I mean, yeah. you, know, you, you walk away and you laugh a little bit and you're like, what did I get out of that? Right. Just learn. Yeah. Yeah. right. It takes a special type of skill and talent to be able to put those two things together. Oh yeah. It's, and Scott hit the nail on the head. I mean, the very first question, any des- instructional designer needs to ask any instructor needs to ask is when they're done with that class. Mm-hmm. or that training, what are they supposed to be able to do? Mm-hmm. And that tells you first and foremost, right. everything, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. <laughs> everything. You know, is it a motor skill they got to pick up? Yeah. Is it a cognitive behavioral attitude they got to yeah. shift? Is it a yeah. critical thinking skill they got to work on? Uh, because all those are going to determine what you bring to the table. Uh, and that was something that would blow people's minds. Like here's this guy with an educational technology degree. And the first thing out of his mouth is we don't need a PowerPoint. 
Mm. <laughs> yeah. What? Like what? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, he, he makes his living off of doing training <clears throat> sessions. And the first thing out of his mouth is you don't need a training session for your 50 person department. Mm-hmm. What? And they're like, well, what's he suggesting? You know, talking to like a manager, uh, th- the guy said, I need to have a conversation with the problem person mm-hmm. <laughs> and talk about expectations on behavior. And then the senior leader to that person's like, well, have you done that? No, I thought if I just presented this class to all 50 people in my department, get one it. person would get it. <laughs> and, and the senior leader's like, all right, I've been doing this a little bit longer than you. That never works. Yeah, <laughs> never. Go back. Yeah, go back to Jerry, ask for some tips on how to coach yeah. that one individual. And that that's it. That's the right. training, yeah. in quotes. Um, and yeah, sometimes the training isn't to a class of 50 people, but a one-on-one conversation on expected behaviors. And, uh, so yeah, in the corporate world, training and development is a very different beast. You got to mm-hmm. really focus on what are people supposed to be able to do once they're finished? And does it always have to be a classroom training session? The answer is yeah. no. There's so many different ways we learn. And socially is probably the number one way we learn as, as a people. Uh, in the United mm-hmm. States alone, uh, if you look at how a lot of our training sessions are designed compared to the best way our learners learn. And it's like 85, 89% of our country's population comes from a collective type of culture background. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of their learning, their experiences happen in a family setting or a community setting and it's done in groups and they learn from each other in a social uh, constructive way. Yeah. But then you look at the traditional classroom in America and yeah. everybody has to work individually and mm-hmm. you learn on your own. You, you can't learn from your neighbor. And right. that only works for 11% of this country's population. Right. Yeah. It makes up for the majority of how we do instruction in the K through 12 arena, in the college arena and in the corporate world. Right. And you're, and you're like, you're not preparing people for whether whatever you're educating them for, because it's very unlikely they're going to be able to do everything on their own, right? Exactly. Whatever they're actually doing, right? It's that your, your working is interdependent. But yeah. um, I, th- I think that, you know, that thing that you said though about like, Hey, when you, when you're teaching a class, you should have like a goal of what they should be taking from this or, you know, I yeah. feel like that's like, should be the golden rule for any time you bring people together. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, if it's a meeting, like have an objective, <laughs> what that meeting is, <laughs> yeah. right? not just because you have to have one because it's well, that time we of the day. Yeah. Wednesday, right. Yeah. I mean, like, even if it's a gathering at your house, maybe that objective is, you know, camaraderie and fellowship, but <laughs> You know, I mean, I just, not to say that you have to like break everything down like that, but I think it's nice when you actually have an objective at the beginning when you're going to gather people together. <laughs> yeah. Like right. the guy that hosts the yeah. Super Bowl party, but there's an agenda, like a yeah. formal yeah. agenda. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so before we cut the turkey, uh, the expectation is that everyone walks out of here with a smile on their face. And, and they're full. And they're yeah. full. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. funny. I was, uh, so I'm looking at doing a, a class uh, training room remodel. And uh, so I'm online just Googling images of training rooms and stuff like that. And I'm like, I was severely disappointed because most of the images I saw <clears throat> were sort of the, the, the typical rows of chairs, rows of desks facing the screen. And I'm, and I'm thinking with, with all my experience and Jerry, you could probably relate to this. And Joe, uh, during your deployment, you were doing organizational development the whole time you were there, you're doing professional development. The best training experiences and, and environments are those when, like you said, they're social. So when you have like a U shape where people are looking at each other, when they're able to share stories, uh, cause what we know about adult learners is 
everyone's bringing some sort of experience or thought about whatever the topic is. Mm-hmm. And when you give them that opportunity to share and demonstrate what they already know, um, that just that they, they need to be active participants in the training. And so I was really disappointed when I'm looking at these images. I'm like, yeah, I need to get some uh, some new desks, some new tables, chairs. And all the images were just these rows. That, and it reminded me of like like a, a prison cafeteria or something. I don't know. It was yeah pretty disappointing. What prison were you at? I don't remember them looking like that. <laughs> Joe, there are some things that we will talk about <laughs> and some things that we will hint. But Scott some wasn't things always we won't an airman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jerry, you should just see Scott like sends us this video of this guy in prison that just goes off all the time, like constantly. <laughs> like he's a motivational speaker out of prison. I'm like, why are you sending uh, me this link? <laughs> so, okay, now, so now I got to talk about that. All right. <laughs> So last year when COVID hit and everyone was quarantining or uh, what, what do they call it? Everyone was on lockdown is what they called it. Oh yeah. And I found some guy on YouTube. He's like an ex-con. He's been, he was in jail for like 20 years. Prison for 20. And he, and he's like tatted up and he's like, lockdown. Y'all don't know what lockdown is. I sit in an ISO for, for 20 hours a day and you get one hour sunlight. Blah, blah, blah. Y'all can't hang with isolation. Y'all can't. And I'm like, we need to get that guy on Llama Lounge. You know, he's going <laughs> to get people straight. He's going to get everyone resilient. <laughs> scared. That's where that came from. Yeah, scared straight. There you go. Yeah. So nice. you, uh, like I said, Jerry, uh, uh, you and I have talked a, a few times, you know, in, in the past couple of months about training and development. Oh, yeah. um, but the thing that really connected us, um, I think, is podcasting. Oh, yeah. Uh, when, when, when I moved to Corpus Christi and I started, like, looking at different podcasts and oh, what's out there. And then I saw this one podcast called beyond the rut. I'm like, that sounds cool. Uh, Cause Joe and I were, we were master resiliency trainers and I'm like beyond the rut, beyond the rut. That sounds like a, a resilient yeah. tech thing. And then I noticed, Oh, this guy's in Corpus Christi, Texas. He's right down the street from me. So I started listening and it was right around the same time that we started doing the, uh, the llama leadership website. And, uh, and so that's how we connected and uh and we are our first ever appearance joe and i's first ever appearance on a podcast mm-hmm. was on the uh, beyond the rut podcast so if you don't mind tell us about that podcast and what got you started with it yeah um that was the brainchild of uh one of the original three uh, brandon cunningham and he is a pastor at a church an associate pastor at a church uh he and i as well as the third person on the team uh five and a half years ago almost six years ago <laughs> Uh, had all served together on a men's ministry at another church. Mm-hmm. I used to go to that church, but the other two have gone on to you know, different paths in life. And so, yeah, Brandon comes up to me one day. He said, hey, let's meet up for lunch. I got an idea. I need to bounce off of you. I show up and I, I kind of know that it's going to be about a podcast because he's asking me <laughs> questions already about <laughs> microphones and, you know, how do you host this? You know, hey, let's just meet up for lunch. You know, I want to learn more about your new job. And so we meet up and then the third guy is there, Sean. And so we're at a Schlotsky's and Brandon just shares with us how, uh, a, a lot pyramid of things, scheme. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> so I, I was kind of worried about that. Like, Hey, I want to talk to you about this, uh, this opportunity. It's multi-level marketing. It's not a pyramid scheme. <laughs> and the, like, whenever they say, I've got an opportunity to discuss with you, that's code for, I've got this multi-level marketing thing to talk about. Um, but I figured, Hey, he's paying for lunch. So there you I'll, go. I'll listen for half an hour and say, I'm sorry, I'm banned from doing L- MLM. Um, <laughs> but he just starts sharing with me that, you know, and, and Sean that, 
in his work as an associate pastor, uh, he's answering the same questions over and over and over again. And they're no different from the questions we got asked when we were leading the men's ministry at uh, our previous church. Mm -hmm. And it's the same things around, I'm struggling financially with my family. I, I want to move up in my career, but I, I don't know where to go first. Uh, there seems to be the ceiling I can't break through. Um, man, my, my wife frustrates me. She won't listen. My kids hate me. I don't know my kids. Uh, they don't listen to me anyway. And, you know, they'll even just question, you know, am I doing this God thing right? Am I, am I worshiping the right way? Am I praying enough? I don't know. Uh, and so like these categories started to form as Brandon was sharing with us the same questions that kept coming up. And we talked about, wouldn't it be cool if we just recorded those answers? And had them available and put them out there. And uh, so, yeah, nine months later, we birthed uh, Beyond the Rut. It took us nine months of arguing before we launched. <laughs> so, Not you guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we argued every month for like nine months. And it was actually uh, our wives all came forward at the same time and told us each on our own individually. Uh, so like my wife said it to me, Brandon said it to him, and I think Sean's wife said it to him. And it was just basically like – if you guys don't launch anything in the next few weeks, uh, y'all can't play with each other anymore. It's, <laughs> it's taking up way too much time away from your families. And so we did a soft launch and then that was it. The soft launch was a fake out. It, we were going to go forward no matter what, uh, sort of a burn your ships behind you kind of yeah. thing. Mm. And, uh, and a part of that was we had a member on the team who just felt like we could not launch until it was perfect. And Brandon's rebuttal was, do any of us still have an iPhone one? And I think like four or five were out at the time. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, nobody's still using an iPhone one. He goes, why do we need to have the perfect beyond the rut podcast? And so yeah. the, the rut was whatever rut we feel like we're stuck in. And our ideal listener uh, is somebody who, in the way we imagine this person, it's somebody who's probably about 40 years old, married, children, has a great corporate job, great salary, uh, lives, yeah, has an office that people envy. Things look good, you know, good income, good family, uh, you know, has the nice car, the nice house. Uh, however, if you were to actually just peel back a layer, you'd find out that this person struggles. You know, he gets yeah. up in the morning and just dreads going to work, gets in his car and has to drive anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour and a half through rush hour traffic. So running the rat race, uh, sits in an office for a job that he hates or just isn't finding fulfillment in. And then at the end of the day, gets in his car and has to go through the same awful traffic, except now he's tired and he's, mm. he's just zoned out. Um, walks into that door, and even though he wants to dote on his wife and love his kids and engage, he just doesn't have the energy, doesn't have the motivation. So he winds up just plopping down, doing his own thing and vegging out the rest of the night, uh, but then feels like crap because everybody hates him or he feels like everybody hates him. He's wasting his life away for a job he hates to make income that just seems to not be enough ever. And is this all there is in life? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the story behind what drives us in every single episode. Um, and so the show has been going on for over five and a half years. We've launched uh, 255 episodes as of the time we recorded this one with you guys. Yeah. Um, but also we've had some changes on the show uh, team. So uh, the third guy, Sean, he left the show at about episode 16. So back okay. in the early days. Uh, and so you probably guessed he was the one who had to have everything perfect. And just mm. like <laughs> us learning the ropes was just like ick. Um, and the early episodes were actually uh, him and Brandon talking with each other. And uh, they kind of they ran out of content. 
which was weird. Yeah. And so then I, I was the one who kind of came forward and said, well, why don't we just interview people we know and get their story on the same content? Because everybody's going to have a different flavor for these areas. And so there are kind of five areas in our lives um, that if any one of them are out of sync or just out of whack, it impacts the other ones. So uh, since we were kind of a we're kind of an undercover faith-based show. Like we're set up to be just a career and self-help type of show. Yeah. Uh, but when the three founders are all Christian and everything we bring to the tables from a Christian pers- uh, we're gonna, perspective. We're going to slide a little JC in yeah. there once yeah. in a while. Yeah. Uh, like you won't hear us quoting scripture, but we'll paraphrase the heck out of one. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they, they were just running out of content. And um, so uh, what was I, I was talking about the five, the five F's. Uh, so, you know, faith, you know, if we don't feel connected to God, you know, we don't feel like we have that higher purpose, that higher thing we're serving uh, for a, a long-term benefit or eternity. Mm-hmm. We kind of feel like, well, what's the point? Like there's no compass to guide us. So we might feel lost in that respect. Uh, if our family relationships aren't there uh, with our spouse, with our children, we don't make that a priority. Uh, and if it's not grounded in that circle of faith, we run into trouble. Um, fitness is in the middle. So if we're not taking care of our bodies, we're not going to be around for our grandkids. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to be there for our daughter's, you know, wedding or our son's graduation or, you know, whatever it is. You can flip that daughter's graduation, son's wedding, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the finances, you know, if you're stressed about your finances and you're doing nothing to fix that, it's just going to add to the stress in your marriage. It's going to add stress and question your faith in God. Uh, you're not going to be able to eat healthy. It's, you know, the stress is going to like start tearing your body apart. Uh, so finances are a big part of that. And then your outlook on future possibility. If mm-hmm. you don't feel like anything can change, then nothing's going to change. So it's shifting that mindset to what if this wasn't a problem and I, I reached this pinnacle instead. What if instead of being stuck in this rut, I just shifted course a little bit and I made my own path and I got out of that rut. And, you know, so the five F's kind of give us some areas in our lives to focus on buckets in a sense. And uh, when we shifted to a, a guest format show, we just bring in a variety of guests who can speak to each of those buckets. You know, yeah. sometimes it's one bucket, sometimes it's all five. And, uh, so yeah, that's been the focus of this show ever since and kind of felt like all over the place, but, uh, we've recently gone under new management and we're just honing back in that <laughs> under, new <laughs> under new management. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brandon had to retire back in March of this yeah. year. Uh, you know, just his workload with church had mm-hmm. increased. He's now a grandfather of five, which mm. he wasn't five and a half years ago, but, yeah. uh, his kids are following that path of be fruitful and multiply. So mm-hmm. there's <laughs> grandkids now. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, his, his life needs have changed. And, and so we had a discussion and it's still on my heart to, to pursue this and to, yeah. to get that message out there and share these stories. Uh, and, and so with that, there's a little bit of a learning curve, but uh, I'm a hundred percent glad that I, I took it on and I'm just continuing what we started. I, 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 and I love that. Obviously that's one of the, the first podcasts I've really got into. Um, and so I've been listening for a couple of years now and, and every once in a while I'll get one, like as I'm driving to work and I'm like, Oh man. I, and I, I text Jerry right away. I'm like, Jerry, this one, Oh, this is gold. That's gold, Jerry. That's gold. Sort of yeah. like Seinfeld. What, how has it helped you in your life? Has, has there been any like particular episode that's really kind of opened you up? Uh, a lot of them have, uh, <laughs> gosh, there, there are a few that stand out a lot. Uh, besides one, the one that Joe and yeah, I were on, of yeah, course, yeah, obviously. Of course. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and 
to be truthful, I, I listened to all of them at least 10 times, you know, mm. twice during the, the editing and another eight uh, because the guest just really pours into my own life. And so mm-hmm. it's, you know, my friends and my family will joke about my favorite podcast is my own. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. You know, it, you know, if you got some great guests on there, why aren't they pouring into you? And mm-hmm. uh, so some of my favorites, uh, and they're all, I mean, they're all good. Uh, and one of them is a guy named Eric Giuliani from Travel Tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick rundown on his life. He was an education consultant like uh, Scott and I uh, have worked in that arena. But he just had that moment of like, what's beyond Pleasantville? And, you know, he hadn't really traveled. So he took a leave of absence. He went and traveled, came back, and the company said, we're not going to honor the leave of absence. We replaced you. Have a nice life. Wow. So he was like, well, do I want another job just like this one? I didn't get to do anything, and they fired me when I took a break. <laughs> so he had an identity crisis. He decided what he really wanted to do was travel the world, take video and photos of it. But here's the problem. I don't own a camera, and I don't know how to use one. So uh, he, he takes a class on how to do photography. Hmm. Again, has no camera. So like he's in this class and this is the fair, this is the thing that stands out of my head. Uh, and he's looking around the room. There's like eight other students and they all have like these DSLR cameras with like different <laughs> lens attachments. They have like backpacks. They're they showing don't know how their, to use them. <laughs> they don't. They don't. And this dude showed up with an iPhone. Like that was it. No attachments, nothing. An iPhone and a charger. And that was it. That was his equipment. And uh, the, the teacher looked around the room and said, that guy with the iPhone is the one who's going to do well in this class. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he has nothing to do but learn the principles and apply mm-hmm. them. And he said that that one gave him a boost, but then he does that. He learns, eventually buys a camera off the teacher. Um, and then he travels the world for three years without wow. taking a flight. So it's all like boats, trains, buses, Ooh, wow. cabs, bicycles, uh, no planes whatsoever. He does that for three years and barters, uh, photos and video for a hotel room and board. And, uh, and sponsorships and that kind of thing. And so just living that dream. Now he's written a book. He's published, going to have him back on the show at some point uh, to talk about that experience. And uh, so that one stands out to me. Uh, Another one is the guy who used to run Walt Disney World Resorts, Lee Cockrell. Mm. Um, That guy, it's like having grandpa just (laughs) share all his wisdom with you in one sitting. And uh, he, he just kept pouring into us after we were done recording for another like 45 minutes until his wife told him it was time to go to bed. He's like, all right, Priscilla's telling me it's by my bedtime. Uh, you know, happy wife, happy life. So you guys have a great night. And it was like so cool. Like we hung up. We're just like kids at Christmas time. Like those were cool stories. Grandpa's awesome. And, uh, and so those are those two. And then there's an author I, I follow, Jeff Goins. And uh, he and I just geek out on an episode about Michael Crichton books for like 15 mm-hmm. minutes. And we, we completely forget Brandon's in the room. So. <laughs> He's eating Brandon's in the back eating a sandwich yeah. or something. He's yeah. just like, I'll, yeah. I'll let you guys continue on. I'm going to sit down and take a break. And then we're like, oh, oh yeah, we're doing an interview. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, so it, just learning from these guys, learning their perspective. And then I'm finding that when I'm in a meeting at work, whether it's this job or my previous one, uh, we're trying to solve a problem. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I literally have a beyond the rut episode that talks about the solution for this. Hold on a sec. And I'll go out my own show and I'm like, it's not a plug, but listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) Ignore me, but listen to the guy on the show. And they're like, Oh wow, that's cool. Can we, can we hire him? Can we call him? I'm like, yeah, he's, he's for hire. He's a contractor. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's happened or we'll like get some ideas from the show for work. Uh, 
I get tapped into from my podcasting skills at work all the time, you know, hosting yeah. webinars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been doing an interview series since COVID broke out. And we do this like wellness, a weekly wellness webinar for our staff. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, I got to interview Barry Switzer, who used to run the Cowboys. Nice. That was like our very first one. I'm like, I'm talking to Barry Switzer. <laughs> you know, it, like, in no other way would I have ever gotten to talk with Barry Switzer. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. So, yeah, a lot of carryover from podcasting, enriching my own life. Uh, and just, you know, the, the whole idea of like seeing future possibility when you hear these stories of folks who were in a rut and got out of it, now they help other people also get out of those types of ruts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just exposes me to 255 plus episodes of what if and possibility. Yeah. 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 You guys, cause you, it's, it's hard for you to um, stay any, in any type of a area of self doubt or mm-hmm. sort of like, it's, it's hard to stay in a rut when you have all that, all that history and all those stories of people who actually, overcame something and who were probably a lot worse off than you and I or Joe have ever been, Mm -hmm. you know? And so they're, they're telling these amazing stories and how uh, transformed their lives have been. And it's that constant motivation. It's that constant. And when you're having those one-on-one conversations, you can't help but to feel like it's, it, it affects you personally as well. Not just like, okay, I'm done recording. Have a great day. Yeah. You you go back and listen to it or, you know, and Joe, Joe does a great job of, getting uh, guests from our show to do professional development seminars. Mm-hmm. So General Gronsky, right? Mm-hmm. Joe, you yeah. had him do yeah. several, several professional development seminars. Mm-hmm. And even while Joe's downrange, yeah. you had him do something, didn't you? Yep, I did, man. He's he's awesome too. And he's about to come back on the show because there's another book coming out. Um, so yeah, he's oh, wow. just amazing. But just, yeah, you know, to your point, beyond the rut, for one thing, Jerry, I just want to say thank you because your podcast helped me get out of a rut, to be honest with oh. you. And not just listening to it, but also being on your show, giving us the bug. Cause we, we kind of wanted to do something like a podcast, but we never really, you know, me and Scott were talking about for a while and then we get on your podcast and it's like, no, we have to, do we're this. doing it. Yeah. This is it. This <laughs> nice. We're doing it like next week, you know? And, um, and it really helped me get out of a rut that I was in, in my life. Cause I was having personal um, issues going on and um, career stuff was just, you know, I was kind of felt like I was at a plateau and um, just getting on the podcast, doing it with you guys. And then like, you know, expanding out to our own and just meeting so many amazing people through it. Um, I mean, I have, our network has just expanded so yeah. much, right. And overlap with each other. And I just, yeah, I, I I'm just super grateful, Jerry, that um, we got to meet you. And, and like I said, you, you would never know how much of an impact you had on my life. Wow. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. Cause like with us too, when we first started, we're like, we just assumed it would be j- just us having these conversations. Like you guys mm-hmm. started off, but yeah. like, it would just be us having these conversations. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we get somebody on mm-hmm. and we're like, who else should we get on? And then what ends up happening is you have emails and Facebook uh, messages yeah. and people are like, Hey, I want to be on your show. And I'm like, how did you even hear about us? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's amazing. It's a great, it's a great way to connect with people. And um, it's, it's also just a great way to learn. I mean, there's that, I call it, I don't want to know if I want to call it passive learning, uh, mm-hmm. but when I'm driving to work in the morning and I usually have like a 30, 45 minute commute, I'm listening to beyond the rut or I'm listening to, uh, I'll listen to our show over and over again too. Cause I'm trying to get yeah. those numbers up, but um, <laughs> yeah, do it from different devices. Yeah, yeah, I it works. Different IP addresses, different devices. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, 
but it's just one of those things. It's, it's like you're, you're learning so much on the way to work. And I'm, I'm at work one day and my coworker, I hear her listening to our podcast oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, does she even know that's, I'm like, what are you listening to? She goes, oh, this podcast, Llama Leadership, Llama Lounge. And I'm like, can I show you something? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's yours. I'm like, yeah, that's mine. Wow, goes, I didn't that's know that. Cool. That's so cool. it, it, it is, it is kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But, uh, I don't normally get that kind of response uh, from people I know. Like they, uh, they know I have a show because I've told them. And yeah. they'll tell other people around uh, the office, that kind of thing. My boss listens to my show. Yeah. Uh, so talk about accountability. Like I can't, <laughs> I mean, it's, again, it's an undercover Christian show, so I'm not going to yeah. cuss up a storm anyway, but uh, it, it's really cool though. Cause he'll, he'll give me feedback and mm-hmm. then he, he's starting to recommend guests to the show and he's yeah. like, you know, it'd be really cool is so-and-so. And uh, so yeah, it's just really cool to see people, you know, get fired up about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my wife had even said something like, you know, like, you know, I never thought you guys were going to take this show anywhere. I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, but then she said, but seeing you in action ever since this changeover, like this changing of the guard and like refocusing what the show's about, I see you doing things that is going to actually lift this show up to another level. You're mm-hmm. talking about writing a book. You're talking about putting yeah. a course together. Uh, it's not like immediate, but it's going to happen down the road. And she's like, mm-hmm. I see you networking with people with like this freedom you didn't have before. And you're engaging with people on social media in a way that you were never um, able to do because that, that wasn't your role on the show. But now you're, you're doing that. You're, you're the one connecting with people. You're the one who like your show makes sense to me now that you've had a chance to restate its purpose and mm-hmm. uh and i just kind of look at it i'm like it's still kind of the same show it's been for five and a half years <laughs> like you know <laughs> uh, but she says don't and then she realized like how it, it was a compliment but the way she said it was presented on a trash can lid <laughs> and and so she apologized and she just said no I, I i'm just really excited to see you do this and yeah and so it was just like that encouragement there and uh, <laughs> like we, we never really know who we impact until like yeah mm-hmm. scott texts or like what you just said a moment ago joe mm-hmm. um you know yeah a lot of times we we have no idea who we're impacting with our show I, and mm-hmm. yeah and once in a while somebody just sends you that message and says thank you so much or, yeah uh one of the weirdest things about our show is that our most engaged episode is one where we had a friend talk about how she left church ministry to open up a parent's day out program and let that be her ministry and her business. And we have people asking us all the time or me uh, all the time, Hey, how do you navigate this in the state of Texas? Like what's the law on opening up a parent's day out program inside a church? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so I, I'll reply back and I'll carbon copy uh, Kaney Bram on there. And I'm like, hey, you know, hey, Kaney, uh, here's somebody asking a question about how to open a parent's day out program in their town in Texas. Um, I'm obviously not the expert. You are because you've done this a couple of times. Uh, so I'm going to connect the two of you. And then they're like, oh, thank you so much. And then uh, off they go. And it just kind of cracks me up. Like people are out there finding in that episode that I don't always think about. And then they're asking specific questions. They're engaging with us to find more information. Um, but then, yeah, just getting that that compliment from time to time, or you, like on uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, you know, people mm-hmm. can leave feedback, and you yeah. see that on there. You're like, oh wow, I didn't even think that person listened to the show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah then you see that they left feedback on the show. Yeah. Just like, You're like oh. Rob Lowe listens to my show. This yeah. is incredible. <laughs> you know, he might now that Brandon has retired. <laughs> that would be so funny. <laughs> you have to reach out to, to Rob Lowe. Yeah. Like, hey, just, just 
because he has a podcast now. Maybe he'll do like a little snippet like, hey, this is Rob Lowe and you're listening to Beyond the Rut. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be my goals for 2021. There you go. <laughs> Adding that to the list. <laughs> not, it's not too late to add. It's not exactly. too late to add. Jerry, hey, this is this has been incredible. Um, yeah. I, we we really appreciate you uh, sharing your story and and kind of taking us along with this journey. And so um, it's it's been a pleasure talking to you today. And Same and I, and I appreciate your your friendship for the past couple of years as well. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Not even including what takes place during podcast episodes and stuff, but just the the uh, coaching and the mentoring that you've given me. So it's really yeah. appreciated, Jerry. Yeah. Thank you. And and Joe, keep posting on Facebook that you've run. And all the fitness stuff you're doing, because like I'll be on the verge of talking myself out of running two miles. Like, oh gosh, I don't want to run. I hated it. That's why I left the army. And then I'll see this post from Joe Bogdan. I just ran 12 miles in one hour. I'm like, son of a god. Okay, if you can run 12 miles, I gotta go. And, and so yeah. I'll, I'll go run my measly two miles. But uh, so I, if, I fasted 12 miles. Like I didn't eat all day. It's 3 p.m. I'm gonna go run in the desert heat. And I'm like, you haven't eaten all day. Like, yeah, I'm. I'm I'm woozy by nine if I don't eat, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's just a two-way street on the motivation and, uh, and, and seeing your growth with Llama Lounge and LlamaLeadership.com uh, is really neat because uh, one thing Brandon would always say is, you know, our show might not get the numbers that mm-hmm. we always hope to see, mm-hmm. but man, what is our record on in, encouraging people to get into yeah, podcasting yeah. who do better than us? Oh, wow. Know? <laughs> <laughs> like we're like four for four, I think, or four for five. It's it's a really good track record. So, well, your yeah. your nine listeners are pretty loyal. Yeah, yeah they me, are. Me, yeah, Joe, yeah. you, and the other yeah, six. My mom. My mom is there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So whoever those other five people are. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I did notice my listenership dropped when my mom retired because she was oh. like forcing all her coworkers to yeah, listen to yeah. the show. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Jerry, before we wrap up mm-hmm. we have to hit you with the leadership rapid fire nice which is rarely ever rapid mm-hmm. um so it's a series of four questions you will answer them however you feel don't think too deep don't uh you know ponder them too much and well what situation would this be so uh, <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and get that started joe do you want to lead this sure all, all right. right jerry you ready i'm ready all right question number one what is your favorite leadership trait and why servant heart um, so the leaders that seem to have the most impact on my life and then what I seem to notice the most impact with my own team is when the leader is serving the needs of the team to go take care of the mission. So it's, yeah, servant heart. That's awesome. All That's right. really what it's about, right? It's yeah. like making sure they have the tools, the resources, the, mm-hmm. the rest to get yeah. the job done. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes wrong when it's, when the leader doesn't realize that and thinks it's about them. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Question number two, what is your favorite quote? Oh man. Uh, just one. <laughs> um, so I've the got, book of Luke. No. <laughs> well, actually one of them is a, uh, it's a Bible verse. It's Colossians three verse 23. And it's in whatever you do work at it as if you're working for the Lord, not for man. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, uh, awesome. Yeah, I apply that to everything. Uh, yeah. And then the second quote that I hold near and dear, I mentioned earlier in the show, and that's the motto for the Duke and Family Crest, and that's mm. by virtue and valor. Yeah, that's perfect. Yes. Nice. All right. Question number three. What is a book that you would recommend to an aspiring leader? Ah, if there's one book 
Mm-hmm. I would recommend How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Carnegie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any others? Um, Servant Leader is another good one. And not really a leadership book, but it's helped me a lot. And that was Tender Warrior by Stu Weber. Okay. Is that T- Tender Warrior? Tender Warrior. He was okay. a special forces guy from okay. Vietnam and okay. or in Vietnam. And uh, yeah, he's a pastor now, or he was a pastor until he passed away. I okay. think he's dead now. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he might be very well alive and children at my door right now. So, you thought I was dead. <laughs> no? I'm sure, he's do- I'm sure he's doing fine. I'm sure he's doing fine, yeah, whichever yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. The final question, and this is the deep question of the day, because at the Lama Lounge, we're all about life, learning, and leadership. So, how does Jerry find his harmony between life, learning, and leadership? Oh man. Uh, I think being grounded in my values. So in that, that motto by virtue and valor, uh, who I am in at home is exactly who I am at work. Uh, when I'm in the classroom learning, um, Hmm. and that's pretty much how I find that balance. So I'm not juggling, you know, three different personalities, uh, you know, to, to excel in life, to get better at life, to really enjoy life. You always got to be learning, uh, to get better at leadership. Mm-hmm. day in and day out and move up in leadership, you got to be learning. You know, they say readers are leaders. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to be a leader at home or a leader at work, I've got to keep learning. You know, whether it's yeah. podcasts, audiobooks, reading books, taking courses online, listening to people as they share their stories and their aha moments. Uh, that's, that's the balance there. Taking time to rest. And then when it comes to scheduling, mm-hmm. uh, scheduling what matters most. And so keeping leadership as well as life in balance. You know, when I die, I am about 99.999% confident that the thing I'm not going to say on my deathbed is, gee, I really wish I got that promotion at work. Yeah. Or gosh, if only I worked 10 more hours a week at the office (laughs) or man, I really wish that I got credit for that one project. (laughs) Like none of that's going to matter. What I'm going to really care about is I wish I could have just one more minute with the people I love. Uh, I want to tell the people I love, I love them. I want them to know what they meant to me. I want them to be in my room when I go, or if they can't be in the room, I hope they come to the funeral mm-hmm. and not so much to say goodbye to me, but to say hi to each other and connect and help me live on in that respect. So those are the things that are going to matter to me, not the extra hour at work every day or, you know, being recognized in a meeting that stuff doesn't matter mm. yeah awesome. that's awesome that's huge you mentioned leaders being readers we also know that leaders are listeners yes mm-hmm. so tell us how can our audience learn more about beyond the rut all right uh we're on the interwebs uh, I, I'm told I'm is that, that new? Now. Is that the, dark, uh, the darker ones or the? <laughs> uh, I, I'm 45 now, so I'm talking like an old man. Uh, so. uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it's on, on the line. <laughs> yeah. Let me. Uh, Oh, where did my cane go? I dropped it. Hold on. Let me find that. Scott's like, where's this off button? (laughs) Kick Jerry out. Uh, So we're on the internet. Uh, Beyondtherut.com is our main hub. That's where you'll find our latest episodes, our social media channels. Uh, There's, you know, ways to connect with us there. Uh, We're on the Facebook. 
Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I'm really like holding on to this. I'm getting old thing. Uh, so we're on Facebook beyond the rut. We got a page there. Uh, I'll post about our latest episodes there. I'll throw in some behind the scenes stuff. Like I'm inside a homemade fort with my daughter's blankets all around yeah. me to cut down on echo. And I think I posted that. I know it's on Instagram. I posted it on there beyond the rut. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. And uh, we even have a phone number that Ooh. I keep forgetting about. Cause I just set it up like four weeks ago and I was like, why, why am I getting these notices from Google Voice? And it's like, oh, yeah, I set up a phone number for Beyond the Rut. Uh, <laughs> so there is that. It's on the Facebook page. I'm scrolling as quickly as I can, but it's not loading. Oh, hey, there it goes. Uh, it starts with 469-608-0355. You could call, leave a message, or send a text message, and I'll get that, and I'll respond to that. Uh, what else? Uh, email beyondtherut at gmail.com. Yeah, so, awesome. There we go. Awesome. Good stuff, yeah. Jerry. Hey, thank you. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We appreciate you being here. You, we appreciate you giving us that kick that that really helped us get things going with the uh, with the Llama Lounge. So I don't know if we would have ever really kicked it off if we hadn't had that um, that experience being in your other studio, which also looked like a homemade fort. So yes, uh, so, so we Never. appreciate it very much. <laughs> yeah, I mean these forts are not just for kids. I mean podcasters <laughs> could use them too. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Jerry. Joe, it's good seeing you in a more decent time zone. Good seeing you too, brother. And good seeing right. you, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. All right. With that, llamas are out. Llamas out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.